0: You're listening to the Net Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schliff. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I guess I've been a little scatterbrained lately. I messed up yesterday once again. Somehow, I use my phone, as you probably know, with my alarms going off downstairs. Um, I use my phone as my alarm. Somehow, my phone came unplugged. Phone was dead. Woke up. Had to go straight to work. It's one of those things usually when that happens. I just think to myself, should I, should I like take an hour off of work or can I possibly squeeze something in the way things have been going this week? I mean, and this goes all the way back to when I tried to do a live stream on Sunday. Technology has just been me and and technology have not been getting along. And again, mostly my fault being scatterbrained, making crazy mistakes, shortcuts, whatever. But uh, yeah, I woke up yesterday and I was like, no, no, let's just go to work. I, you know. The way that's been going, it just—it's just one of those things. But um, not a whole lot going on in the world, to be completely honest. I mean, I don't know how hard you want me to deep into this long snapper. It's a thing. I mean, the the Packers are officially on the board and free agency. Whoops. See, see. Just, it's all right. That's all right. We'll get through this. <laughs> You're not here, so you don't know what happened. But that's uh, fine. But anyways, I decided to use that as an opportunity to solicit some questions, comments, concerns for the show, and I appreciate everybody for doing that. Kind of uh, kind of takes the pressure off a little bit. It's usually a lot more work because you guys ask some good questions, and it's like, man, it's going to take me a long time to get an answer for that, but here we go, as opposed to just opinionated opinions and whatnot, you know. It's easy for me to give those. They're just sitting there. I don't, e- I don't even know what they are. I'm just like, so what's our opinion on this? And then it just launches into the microphone, like, all right, and that's the episode, have a great day. But that is what we're going to be doing today, taking a look at some of those questions. Um, I just had the urge to go check to see if there's more, but I'm, I'm going to resist that urge. Where, oh, where to start? Let's start with Billy's question. Seems kind of like a fun, it, it, it is a fun question. So Mr. Billy Morris from the Facebook group of Facebook group fame says, opinion-based question. Let's say Jordan Love has a phenomenal preseason, assuming we have one. Do you envision the fan base doing a 180 and start calling for him to be the starter sooner than later? Also, if he's terrible, do the haters multiply and get louder? You know we love to overreact. So my thought, the way that I wrote it, and I'm going to stick with this. I actually write notes sometimes when you guys ask questions. Is that it's it's more of a shifting scale. Because you've got people kind of peppered all over the place in, in different places. You've got... And, and, and a lot of it actually revolves around Aaron Rodgers, which is weird. When I thought about it, I, I realized most people that, so for example, the people that get the most angry when you talk about possibly moving out from Aaron Rodgers, if we're being honest, it's not because it's completely 100,000% illogical. It is somewhat unreasonable, maybe, but... Just based on the level of anger and whatnot, plus there are other comments based on how we need to build around Rodgers, and you guys failed Rodgers, and they're kind of Rodgers obsessed. They remind me of the Jet Favre folks, who started rooting for the Jets when Favre left and hated the Packers. Those people really, I don't know, I I was not on that team. But there are people who feel like Rodgers is the savior, Rodgers is the greatest thing that's ever happened to this team, and everyone else is just a failure. No blame can ever be put on Rodgers. He can never leave the team, and if he does, it's a team failure. If the team uh, does not win a Super Bowl, it is because they have failed Rodgers. Everything revolves around Rodgers. So that's that's a group, and that we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, because that part of the scale doesn't slide with everybody else. You've got people that, and I'm kind of close to this, but obviously a little bit closer to the other side, they, they're not Rodgers-obsessed but they do feel like he's you know, one of the greatest ever, and you just don't move on from a guy that's the greatest ever. And you kind of just turn off all other analysis. Don't talk to me about the cap. Don't talk to me about his age. Don't talk to me about those things. Rodgers is Rodgers, and, and it, you're being stupid if you think the team would ever move on from Rodgers. And you kind of move your way through all the way to the other side, and on the other side you've got another group, and they're the exact opposite of the far other other group. They hate Rodgers. And I honestly don't know where this comes from, but they just hate him, whether it's his personality, um, how much money he's... Su- I, don't, I don't honestly know at the core of where it comes from, but there are a group of people that really just don't like him. And so they'll be on the pro-Love train, but really it's more of an anti rogers train. They're just kind of disguising themselves. So I think if Jordan Love has a really, really, really good preseason, you'll have generally a shifting scale. And it's it's going to be true for everybody that's being somewhat rational. I'm going to shift a bit because, again, remember, my general stance is Jordan Love just needs to be almost as good as Rodgers before we start to look at moving on. He doesn't even have to be as good. He's not going to be as good because he's not as, I don't want to say intelligent because that's not really fair. I don't mean general intelligence. I mean, like, understanding how to play in the NFL and things that come with experience. But the way I phrased it before, and understand Rodgers was the number one quarterback this past year, but the year prior he was like number nine via PFF grade. So the way that I phrase it is if Rodgers is generally the ninth best quarterback and Jordan Love is let's say the 12th best quarterback, I think the Packers are ready to move on. Now again, that got complicated when he launched himself up to being the number one quarterback in football again, which we haven't seen in a very long time. But at least that kind of is another piece of the puzzle, right? Moving on from Rodgers is a massive gap. I, I shouldn't even say it's a massive it's, it's, it's a it, Moving on early is a massive gap. I mean, he's getting old. I mean, we're all kind of assuming that's coming in the next five years, maybe somewhere in that range. Even if he gets an extension, five is kind of pushing it. Unless you know some people think he's Tom Brady, he's going to be an elite quarterback for 20 years. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know what everybody thinks. I can't account for everybody. But it's it's a it's a big jump because there's so many pieces that we're missing. And Jordan Love, even being an adequate quarterback, is one of those pieces. Kind of got. There's another question where I kind of touch on this a little bit, and that's about my excitement level about certain players. And my excitement is kind of hindered based on my inability to know if these guys are even competent football players. You know, I'm excited about some potential, but at the same time, it's like, they might still bust out. I don't know. Jordan Love might be a joke. In fact, most quarterbacks kind of are a joke. There's a handful of, like, really, really talented quarterbacks, and the rest of them are just kind of, you know, they're either those guys that you, you hang on to for 10 years because they're not the worst, and you feel like, if we could just maybe get them some help, and like the Andy Dalton types, you know, they throw to A.J. Green, and the offense looks really good sometimes, and he throws for a ton of yards, and they get into the playoffs, and they fall off, and it's like, well, if we just had... A little bit better, this, that, or the other, and you never really put the blame on the quarterback, or realize that although the quarterback isn't that bad, you're never really going to get over the, you know, those guys, and then a huge pile of just this guy's guard. We got to get rid of this guy. This is terrible. Very few, like just dominant quarterbacks at any point in in NFL history, that's been the case. There's been bigger piles, you know, at some periods of time than others, but it's not going to be half the league. So yeah, that, but but that's a big question mark because i and i do think that's a hindrance for a lot of fans too because they're still stuck on and some of them maybe they just pretend they're stuck on this but they're really rogersites or they're they're mad at that's another group by the way the the anti-jordan love group which you know maybe they're the same people as the pro rogers group but the people who are so mad that we didn't draft some kind of wide receiver that's going to save the franchise in the first round and they hate jordan love and they're always going to hate jordan love but if he shows that he can play and it looks like he can play really well, then yes, that, that's that's that other piece of the puzzle. And then it really just becomes a, not really a question of if, but when. Then you start really starting to have to look at the contract situation. You really put uh, Rodgers under a microscope. He has to stay at that top five level. And as long as he can hover in the top five, it's going to be real hard to justify moving on. But at the same time, the Packers are stuck in a situation where the cap is untenable. They, they can't sustain that. And number two the value of trading him is going to be unbelievably through the roof so you've got this guy in his early 20s that you think can be a real real star and you can recoup several first round picks for for your for your current quarterback contract and all age and all you know you're going to have to move on sooner than later and it might be rocky for a little bit but you know that's that's where you start to wonder about those things at this point obviously it's way too early But at the same time, it's just a matter of of filling in the gaps, and that's going to answer a lot of major questions. So I think there's a sliding scale for a lot of us where we're pushed a little bit closer to, eh, this could actually be real. If Rodgers gets hurt, if Rodgers slips up, you know, if he, again, kind of falls back to being just sort of a general top 10-ish guy, you know, where he has some really good games and some real, like, what-are-you-doing type games where he's just missing wide-open guys, making bad decisions, and throwing every other pass out of bounds and everything else. That's going to kind of jerk a lot of people in that direction. Now, the with a twist, is this. While everybody shifts to that direction, the anti-Love and the Rogers-obsessed folks are going to get angry. They're not going to move, because they're not being rational. They're being angry. They're being emotional. And when they watch everybody move toward Jordan Love and away from Aaron Rodgers, that's going to evoke a very angry reaction, plus... The uh, anti-Rogers people are going to be very vocal and they're going to be taunting and they're going to be loud and they're just going to revel in this. They're going to be so happy and excited. And so you're going to have general, normal, rational people who are going to be expressing this thought that maybe this is real and that's going to anger the people, let's just say, to my far left. I, I don't mean that politically. I just I keep pointing to that direction as the pro-Rogers, anti-love group. And then to the right is the you know, pro-love group, anti-Rogers group. But that's just going to cause an absolute, and, and I think that's where a lot of these these riffs come from. When something happens, for example, CBS put out an article about Roger's is going to be out soon. So you'll have the people that have been screaming that for years, screaming, I told you so, ha and getting all loud and in your face type stuff, even though it's obviously just an opinion. And that's just going to evoke a reaction. Not only do I, I mean, am I tired of hearing about it, not only am I mad at this guy from CBS, but now I got to deal with these Packer fans that are just throwing this in my face and I'm ready to start a war. So yeah, a simple thing like Jordan Love doing well, a Green Bay Packer, our, our quarterback of the future does well, and it will absolutely cause a riot among Packer fans. You're absolutely right about that, Billy. That's exactly what's going to happen. Rather than all of us just looking at it and going, oh good, another good player, that's kind of generally what's going to happen. Because you've got these camps, and the one camp that is, because most, I shouldn't say most, but there's a lot of people that are just inflexible. It's not about reality. It's about my feelings. And my feelings of hatred toward Jordan Love, hatred toward that pick, means Jordan Love doing well infuriates me. And the same in the other direction. The people that cannot stand Aaron Rodgers or have been banging the table for Jordan Love, which I don't know if that group really exists. I mean, I've been very pro-Love. I did a whole big video on it and how impressed I am with him and watched every single, literally every single game that was available of his from 2019 and 2018 and really just started to, to love Jordan Love. But yeah, if, if if Jordan Love doesn't do well, then you're going to have the anti-Gutekunst, anti-Jordan Love and pro Aaron Rodgers people getting very vocal, which is going to upset the other group and, you know, again, kind of shift things the other way if he does really poorly. Including myself, I'm going to shift the other direction as much as I don't want to shift that way. You know, toward the we're never going to play Jordan Love, that was a terrible pick, and it, we're going to be riding Aaron Rodgers as long as we can while we still try to struggle to find the next quarterback. And, and that's my thing. I'm not anti-Roger. I just understand how generally impossible it's going to be for us to hit on a third quarterback. The biggest dream, the biggest dream in the world is that we nail another quarterback for the next 20 years, and he may be on our team right now. So, yes, when I'm very pro-Jordan Love, and when I'm very pro, I hope he takes over. It has nothing to do—well, I shouldn't say that. Of course, it has something to do because they're mutually exclusive. They're not both going to play. But it just has to do with the fact that we're headed towards something very, very dark and very, very awful. And that's called years and years and decades of being terrible until we, we pick top five forever, until that one really good quarterback comes along and we just happen to be the, the one team that picks them. And then we kind of claw our way back despite the fact that our team has just fallen apart and we're a garbage football team. I don't want to go through that. To have a seamless transition with a quarterback like Jordan Love in which we continue to dominate, and we continue to build with Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur, a great coach, great GM, build pieces, get new weapons, and continue to assault and attack that Super Bowl title. That is the dream. And look, if Aaron Rodgers, if you told me today that he could play until he's, I don't know, for the next 20 years, then fine, forget Jordan. But he can't, and he won't. This thing is coming to an end. I don't want it to end. I've never, ever gone through a dark era, and I don't ever want to go through one. And I'm not willing to exchange one really good all-in year, we just bust this thing up and suffer for 20 years because you just want to have a good season where we should just trade Jordan Love because I'm so angry at that pick and let somebody else reap the benefits of what could be an extremely talented quarterback. Because remember, you don't usually get very good quarterbacks at the back of the first round. You don't usually get them outside of the first round at all. It usually has to come in the first 15, 16 picks or something. I don't know, where did Mahomes get picked? You do have Lamar, which was, I think, the last pick in the first round. Which, you know, again, it is possible. Possibly Jalen Hurts. And remember, we drafted Jordan before Jalen Hurts. So according to the Packers, whatever Jalen can do, Jordan can do quite a bit better. Not that they can't be wrong. I'm just saying. We may be sitting on an absolute gold mine. It, it, that's, that's really what it feels like to me. Like we have a, a box of treasure and half the fan base wants to just get rid of it. Because this old box of treasure, which is almost out of treasure, we've almost spent the entire box right? It, there, there was $100 million in there when we drafted Aaron Rodgers. We're down to about $2 million, which is great. I, $2 million is great. And people are looking at this treasure box over there going, dude, I'm not getting rid of $2 million for that box. I don't even know what's in that box. The box is stupid. Get out of my face. Do you know how much money we've had in this box? This is a $100 million box, man. No, it's not. There's $2 million left. This box over here might be the next $100 million box. Can we at least peak? And that's the choice the Packers have to make. This is a hundred million dollar box sitting right here. If we discover that this is a hundred million dollar box, or let's say we can't, you know, you can open the lid. You don't know exactly how much is in there. It's kind of like uh, storage awards or whatever. You can look inside. You don't exactly know what's in every single box. You're looking at it, and this thing's full. In other words, preseason, all this stuff happens. You realize this guy is really, really, really good. It may not be a hundred. Maybe it's eighty million. Maybe it's one fifty. I don't know, but it's more than two. You know, it's not, it's not empty. And they can tell that when they evaluate things, and that's when it becomes time to move on. But uh, anyways, yes, that will start problems. Uh, Jake Duros asked, was there a Whitewater Pro Day interested in how Mertz attributes stack up as a prospect compared to other centers and offensive linemen? Allow me to read this. Every team was in attendance for Wisconsin Whitewater's Pro Day to see Quinn uh, Miners. I still don't know how to say his name. It sounds like Miners. I guess I don't even know what else it would be, but it just seems like it's weird. 37 scouts representing all 32 NFL teams were on hand at the Wisconsin Whitewater Pro Day, and all eyes were on Senior Bowl star Quinn Miners. Included among the group were offensive line coaches from Pittsburgh, Carolina, Cincinnati, and uh, the Patriots. Washington general manager Marty Herney attended the workout, as did San Francisco 49ers assistant director of college scouting, Tariq Ahmad. Most of the NFL personnel on hand made the two-hour trek from the Northwestern Pro Day earlier in the day to watch Quinn. The workout ended just a little while ago, blah, blah, blah. Tipping the scales at 320 pounds, Miners was timed as fast as 486 in the 40 with a 10 yard split of 173. His short shuttle was timed at 447 seconds and his three cone was timed at 733. 7, he touched 32 inches on the vert and 9 feet 3 inches in the broad jump. Miners, who suffered a broken bone in his hand during the senior ball practice, intends to bench press next month. I currently have a fourth-round grade on Quinn on my 2021 NFL Draft Big Board, though that could change over the next month. As far as how he stacks up, those are all very, very good numbers. At 320 pounds from a D3 school, he was, you know, 70th, 80th percentile in in pretty much most or all of these categories. He's a very good football player. Um, Another really fun question, this one coming from Goose, Christopher, Christopher Goose. What player are you most excited to see in year two from the 2020 draft? What player from 2019? Will any other players from 18 become decent players, or is this draft class what it is at this point? Um, I'll be honest. I kind of just shut my brain off after the first one and went kind of all in on that. Maybe I'll take a gander live right here. I don't know. But let's look at the 2020 thing, because what I decided to do, there's kind of an obvious answer, and then I thought about it like, well thought, well, there's two really obvious answers. And then I was like, no, there's kind of three. And I said, you know what, let's do this. There's not that many picks. So I listed every single pick, and I gave a ranking out of 10 what my excitement level is. And this has probably changed since yesterday, so whatever. We're, we're kind of doing it live, I guess. Jordan Love. Really hard to put a finger on it, because, again, the guy's not going to play. But I went 6 out of 10. Basically, I said, what is the highest level of excitement I can give for a player that's not going to play in the regular season? And in my mind, that was a 6 out of 10. As far as the preseason excitement, it's a 10 out of 10. There has never been a preseason prospect that I'm going to be more excited to watch than the potential next great quarterback, which is what I'm going to continue to refer to him as until we learn otherwise. The level of joy that I will have if he goes in and just tears up other, you know, number two defenses or whatever, is going to be through the roof. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's good or bad. We've seen terrible players do really, really well in the preseason. We've seen, you know, great players kind of underperform in the preseason. I don't know, but it's still going to be very, very exciting. But again, I don't know that I can do better than a 6 out of 10 for my excitement level for him this coming year, other than, you know, very excited in the preseason. A.J. Dillon, I went with a 9 out of 10. And the only reason I didn't do a 10 out of 10 is because Aaron Jones is back. My 10 out of 10 level excitement was the idea that he's going to be Derrick Henry. And the last time I said that, somebody's like, well, whoever said he's going to be Derrick Henry? Like, I'm being an idiot. Dude, we played the Titans, and he was Derrick Henry. The one game, the only game, that he played a full set of snaps. Like, as a starting running back. The only game, he was better by a mile than Derrick Henry was. So I'm saying he's Derrick Henry. That's who. But with Aaron Jones coming back, he is no longer Derrick Henry. He's a guy that splits carries. And yeah, he might get more carries than Aaron Jones still it still kind of tempers my expectations because they brought back Aaron Jones on a contract that says you're going to be our number one number one what I don't know yeah they're going to use him in motion there's going to be two running back sets he's going to be split out there's going to be all different kinds of stuff that gets them both on the field but it's still going to detract from AJ Dillon there's no question about it. he can't get 20 some carries a game and Aaron Jones is just you know still the same Aaron Jones that's not how that works It's going to be a lot like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, where they're both getting, you know, 12 to 15 carries. But still, super big A.J. Dillon fan. Josiah DeGuara, I went 8 out of 10. Um, This was tough because I've been a massive Josiah DeGuara fan since day one. I still think he can be a really big player, but he's so buried, right? I mean, he's never going to be like a a Devontae or even an A.J. Dillon where he makes a massive impact. I mean, he might be like a uh, Robert Tunyon where he'll flash depending on game plan. Maybe they lean on him a little bit. Maybe it's just a matchup thing where he gets a bunch of carries or maybe, or not carries, but a couple, a bunch of receptions, a bunch of touchdowns, you know, here and there. But again, also he's super, super buried. I mean, even Jay Sternberger, there's there's a small chance that he has a great season and kind of breaks out. Again, Jay Sternberger had a better year too than Tunyon did the year before Tunyon kind of broke out. So not completely giving up hope, although I've, I've, I'm really starting to go heavy into the anti-Jace category. We'll see how it goes, but I'm I'm just I'm 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 kind of just out of patience with him. And if it works out great, if it doesn't, let's just I'm 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 over it. But at the very least, I mean, we paid to bring back Mercedes Lewis, which breaking news, everybody, Mercedes is back. Um, and we still got Tanya. Now I know they're they're separate roles, right? These are three very different guys. You got you know your H back. You've got your more true uh, tight end, at least in, in a modern sense, in, uh, in Tunyon. And then you've got your kind of throwback-blocking tight end in Mercedes Lewis. Jace should be the next Jimmy Graham, where he's kind of split out you know, 50-55% of the time, but Jace just, you know, whatever. So Josiah can, can be on the field as much as, as they decide to use him. And if he turns out to be a very, very good uh, player, then they're just going to use him in more packages inline, H-back, fullback, running back, wide receiver, you know, slot, whatever. I mean, when you talk about, you know, outside of the running backs and Devontae, there's really nobody that just has to be on the field 24-7. So, I mean, he can get as much time as, as he really wants, but uh, I do think it's going to be somewhat limited, and as much as I want to get excited, I think realistically, the the impact that he can have is, is there's a ceiling there. Kamal Martin, I might have went a little bit low on this, but I said a 6 out of 10. And the biggest level of disappointment is the fact that despite he, him playing really well last year, he really didn't get very much playing time. He was the one guy on the entire team that actually did a good job, but the Packers just weren't into it. And I, I think it probably has to do with his play style. He's a very good, kind of like throwback Blake Martinez or Jake Ryan, where he's a he's a good tackler, not really going to dominate very much in terms of coverage. And I think that's what the Packers are looking for. And I think that's what uh, Barry's probably going to be looking for. Not that you don't want Kamal on the field, but you want your... You know, if you're going to have a star linebacker, he's going to be good in coverage. That's just the way it goes in today's NFL. And I don't mean star in in terms of like the position, the star. I just mean like a superstar. Although I I do think that might be an accurate term. So kind of similar to Josiah, there's just a ceiling there. Um, He's kind of limited. um, And even if he meets his full potential, I think he's still not quite the guy that that they're looking for. His full potential being just this great run defense. And I'm excited about that, right? It's kind of like a nose tackle. The NFL isn't really super excited about nose tackles. They're uh, situational, rotational guys, and they usually sit on the bench more often than not because they don't want them to get stuck out there in in an up-tempo offense. But from my standpoint, you know, I don't know, the the DBs will figure out the coverage stuff. Let this guy just go out there and say, you think you're going to run against me? You're out of your mind. I love those guys. But again, 6 out of 10. Uh, John Runyon is almost the exact opposite of Kamal. I think John Runyon has a lot of opportunity. I think he may be a full-time starter, and there's a chance that he becomes a very, very good football player. I just don't think he necessarily is right now. Now, the exciting thing is what happens when you dedicate an entire offseason and, and everything else, your full resources to John Runyon. Because remember, when you're a coach, you have very limited time, especially with the new negotiating, negotiated practices and everything else. Very, very limited amounts of time out there on a practice field. They're getting like an hour a day, which is just stupid in my opinion. Granted, there's a lot of like work behind the scenes, but as far as actual practice on a field, it's like an hour. Um, and so they, they dedicate their resources largely to the starters, and the backups, are there's not a lot of time for them. So if John Runyon is the guy, at least you know not officially, but as of today, if they see him as the starter, they're going to put a lot of resources into training him. The offensive line coach, the, the head coach, everybody's just going to be giving him as much as they can to make sure that he becomes everything that he can become. So what does that mean for John Runyon? That's the excitement level I have. The, the, the only reason it's a six is because I don't know that he has that next level. I hope he does. I'm excited about it. But I'm, I'm kind of on the fence between I'm excited to see what he can become and can we please find some real talent along the offensive line so I don't have to figure out if he's really good or if this is a nightmare. Uh, Jake Hansen, I also did a six out of ten. Kind of, again, similar but for different reasons. Jake Hansen may be, I mean, John Runyon has a floor. Jake Hansen doesn't have a floor in my mind. He could be as bad as, as they possibly come. I have no idea. But I also didn't watch him play at a, at a sort of subpar level like I did with John Runyon. I know a lot of people are mad at me. I'm just saying that's just generally what it was. He was fine. He wasn't a disaster, but it wasn't great. Jake might be great. Jake might be terrible. He didn't get relegated to the practice squad. In fact, a lot of people, Oh, you know what, I'm thinking of Simon Stepniak. Let's forget I said Jake Hansen. Simon Stepniak is the guy that I'm envisioning, and I actually gave him a 5 out of 10. And But again, it's it's because I don't know that he's bad, but he might be really, really bad. I just I don't know anything about him, and I think he was out a lot with you know, COVID or whatever. I don't know. A lot of different things. Injury. But again, with so many people leaving, it's going to be a little bit more wide open. So you're going to have Runyon and Hansen and Stepniak and all these guys, plus whoever we draft, plus the guys that we have, really just having an open competition like there wasn't really last year. There was, there was a competition in terms of who plays right tackle, who plays guard, who plays exactly where, but the guys were more or less set in stone. So now we have this more open competition, and you got other guys that can really step up and try to do stuff. But anyways, that's where Jake Hansen comes in, and I get kind of excited, because I think part of the reason he got kicked to the practice squad is, I mean, granted, I'm sure he had an opportunity, and he was probably third out of those three guys. Plus, we have Corey Lindsley. So Jake Hansen is not going to be the starting center, and we got other guys that can fill in at center if Corey gets hurt. But now with Corey gone... Jake makes a lot more sense. He is a center. That's exactly what he is. That's all he is. If that guy can step up and just be sort of the John Runyon at center, I've said it before, I think there's a real chance he could be the guy, but he's just got to show something. And again, I think the Packers are going to be exerting a lot more energy into all three of these guys to really make sure, because some of these guys might end up getting cut. Some of these guys might end up starting. So we really got to analyze this and make sure we're making the right decisions and not letting the right one go and the wrong one start. Um, and then Vernon Scott, I have a 4 out of 10. I just, I don't really think, you know, once you get, again, you get into the 6th, 7th round, I just kind of lose hope. Um, not that it's impossible, but, you know, every year we, we have 6th and 7th round guys, and usually there's a level of excitement for them. They don't usually start, they don't usually play well, and then eventually, after about two years or so, they go bye-bye. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with Vernon Scott and Jonathan Garvin, to be completely honest. I think Vernon maybe has a little bit more of a, a, of a potential in terms of maybe he sticks around and can kind of be that backup that you just hope doesn't play but you know he's good enough to at least be there as a body in case you know just to set that floor Jonathan Garvin I don't I don't think he really has much of a role the only reason he would is because we're getting so thin as far as just personnel in terms of human beings at the position but I really think that's that's all he's serving right now the only reason he's a little bit higher and I thought about going lower with Jonathan, Gar- Jonathan Garvin is the fact that some people had a third round grade on Jonathan Garvin now ultimately that doesn't matter because um, it usually just means the media was very wrong about Jonathan Garvin because all 32 teams passed on him, and it was the Packers that are like, all right, let's pick him up in the seventh before he slips into free agency. So I, I'll just say, in four out of ten, is probably a little high. I just, I don't really think about them. I don't really have any anticipation that they're going to be able to do anything. Um, it's almost anti-excitement because if we see them on the field, something went wrong and I'm kind of worried. So I'd probably, if I'm being realistic, drop that to a two or a three. But that's kind of where I'm at. Um, again, A.J. Dillon probably because if anybody's really going to blow this thing open and make a huge difference for this team, it's going to be A.J. Dillon. You could argue Kamal Martin, but again, I just think that there's a, a general ceiling for his, his potential. But maybe I'm wrong about that. I think PFF actually gave him a decent coverage grade. I don't think that's going to be sustainable when he's out there long term. I just don't think he's built that way, but you know, who knows? And again, our new defensive coordinator is an ex-linebackers coach. So, I mean, he's going to be doing everything he can to get the linebackers up to speed, which I've really been kind of disappointed with our linebacking coaches, along with Petten, doing such a terrible job with our linebackers. I'm hoping we really see a difference with linebacker play in particular. Um, and then, again, you put those resources into a guy that really showed some some talent in a group that just cannot, I mean, linebackers just don't do well under Petten. Nobody that's been a linebacker on this team has done anything remotely well. I mean, Blake did year one a little bit. But it was again, it was a weird thing where like he was good in coverage, but not against the run, which is not his MO at all. So the thing that he does well, which is stopping the run, he was actually he was bad in since day one of Pettin arriving. He was fine under under uh, Capers, and he was fine with the Giants. Pettin just I don't know what it is about his scheme that linebackers have a real tough time, but uh, that's about to change. At least the scheme is. We'll see what the linebackers are able to do. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll come back and do some more questions. Again, I don't remember if I said thank you. I'm pretty sure I did, but thanks again to Yancey Lowe for jumping in on Patreon. Remember, you can join patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy for as little as a dollar a month. We're talking about a little mini bag of chips. And if I'm not worth a bag of chips to you, that hurts my feelings. just want you to know that. But I do hope that you will consider that. Um, If you have an aversion to Patreon, there are other options, Venmo, PayPal, whatever. Uh, All would be greatly appreciated. And move me one half of a fraction of a step closer. To the ultimate goal and dream of being able to do this full time. Maybe it's a pipe dream. I don't care. It's the, <laughs> at this point, it's the only reason I'm getting up at three in the morning every single day. I love you guys, but three in the morning in the off season, there's a driving motivator here and it's called, I'm going to set up this office and I'm going to be in there every day and it's going to be sweet slash podcast from the beach at some point. I mean, that's, that's gotta be a thing sometimes. Setting up a car table on the beach with the cheese hat. Dude, I want to do that so bad. I mean, I can technically do that now. I just, you know, it's even better if you're doing it, and then people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, this is my full-time job. This is what I do. <laughs> Again, that's patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Also want to say thank you very, very much to Uper Report for the five-star iTunes review, as, do- as well as uh, WNEL88, WNEL88. Really, really appreciate the uh, the support on that. Hopefully it started to take effect. I don't know. We're at 414 reviews, 4.9 stars, or uh, yeah, on average, I guess. I don't know. I feel like iTunes would look at that and go, whoa, this guy should be like number two. I mean, if we're being honest, at least number two. If they really cared about the reviews, I don't know how this isn't the number two Packers podcast. I'm not even going to say number one. It's not worth even arguing about number one. But I feel like I got a pretty good argument for number two. I'm just saying. I don't know. I mean, I have a higher rating than number one. But, you know, what? again, not even going to argue it. Anyways, again, if you want to, uh, if you can't help financially, there's plenty of ways to help out. Join the Facebook group. Five-star reviews. Tell your friends. Maybe go to a sporting event. Paint Packernet Podcast on your body and run around in your underwear. That, that by the way, that's like a $1,000 uh, donation. Probably more so. So, I mean, if you really want to help out, but... Uh, Money's Not Your Thing, that will be the number one donation ever given to this podcast. And by the way, this is not me encouraging it. I'm saying don't do it. Don't you dare do it. I'm going to be so mad. Mm. Big trouble with me. Anyways, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones About seeing what you could potentially get right now, you can get ten percent off your first purchase by going to arenaclub dot com slash packdaddy wow that 's crazy offer ten percent off a four hundred dollar slab pack that 's forty bucks right there anyways that 's arenaclub dot com slash packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase all right question from Mr David Davis Tell me a day two prospect you wouldn 't mind drafting this was a fun exercise. Um, it's not going to be interesting for you to listen to, but it was a fun exercise because all I did is I went to the, uh, consensus big board and I wrote down every single prospect from, um, 33 to what? 44, something like that. Or not 44. You dummy 64, which this has already changed. I can tell because some of these guys are, uh, here that weren't here yesterday, but it doesn't matter. The point is after that, we're talking 32 prospects. I deleted everybody that I don't want the Packers to draft. Here is the remaining list. And that's not to say I'm in love with every single one of these players, but here's who's left after I went through every thirty-two, every one of the 32 guys. And this is also based on position. I got rid of the quarterbacks. I got rid of the running backs. These are just guys that I think could help the team and are good football players. Jason Oway, Rondale Moore, Terrace Marshall, Nick Bolton, Wyatt Davis, Joseph Asai, Alex Leatherwood, Asante Samuel, Creed Humphrey, Liam Eikenberg, Levi Anwizerike, Carlos Basham, Eric Stokes, Landon Dickerson, Elijah Moore, Dylan Radens, Tyson Campbell, Joe Tryon, Ifedi Melfanwu, Richie Grant, Javon Holland, Elijah Molden, Jabril Cox, Ronnie Perkins, and Aaron Robinson. That's 25 out of 32 made the cut. I, that's I mean that's exciting, and and, it, and again these are just we're talking corners safeties, tackles, interior, uh, like one defensive tackle, edge rushers, linebackers. By the way, Jabril Cox is not getting enough uh, talk as far as a potential Green Bay Packers linebacker. That guy, I mean, again, you want to talk about a guy that's just a, a coverage demon? It's Jabril Cox out of LSU. Let, let me put it to you this way, and this is this is beyond a stretch, but the Packers are real good at, at shocking people, and I know they don't usually take linebackers in the first round. But let's just say our new defensive coordinator actually did say, and I don't know that this is the case, but let's say he did say, I cannot run this team, I cannot run this scheme um, without a, a absolutely dominant linebacker. It's just something we have to go out and get. It's not, I shouldn't say can't, but it's, it's, it's going to struggle. It, it limits my ability if we don't have a guy that can really fly from sideline to sideline and can really cover. Now the Packers are, not just last year, everybody last year was upset because the Packers reached supposedly on every single one of their prospects, despite the fact that every single one of their prospects was good, and all these other teams that got A grades drafted a bunch of guys that are garbage, but we'll leave that aside. The Packers tend to draft people earlier than the media thinks they should be drafted, right? Jair went earlier, Darnell Savage went earlier. He wasn't even the, the top safety on the board. We traded up and he we took him as the first safety gone, and he was not considered the best safety in that draft. Proved everybody wrong once again. Obviously, Jordan Love and uh, A.J. Dillon and Deguara and Kamal, all those guys were early. If there's going to be a shock of a pick, and again, this is just based on on Barry saying, I need a a sideline-to-sideline guy that's got the range, that's got the speed, and the ability to handle these kinds of things. Again, I understand they don't generally take linebackers early, but that could be the surprise pick if they're willing to get over that that that's the two ifs. If it's if it's not true necessarily that the Packers won't take a linebacker and if Barry says I need it, which I think one gets answered if two is a yes. If if Barry says I need this for my scheme, one is no longer a thing. Gutekunst is not some moral purist that just hates linebackers and is like, "Well, I refuse to listen to my defensive coordinator because I don't care what you think or what your scheme needs. My team's don't care about linebackers." Like, "Dude, you dr- you picked the guy. You hired him." So it really is just contingent on the one thing, right? We're looking at a, a second-round prospect, which generally that's what the Packers do. They take second-round prospects at the back of the first that people think probably are kind of late second-round guys. That's exactly where Jabril Cox is considered to be in the back of the second round. But you're talking about a guy, about a guy that's six foot four, 231 pounds, which is kind of a typical NFL linebacker, weak-side linebacker, smaller, speedier guy. Um, he played three years at North Dakota State. For uh, the first year, he was just terrible. He didn't play very much, but he didn't look very good. 2018, he takes on a full-time role, and he's dominant, right? Dominant against the run. Great tackler. Decent pass rusher. Elite, elite, elite coverage guy. 28 receptions, 210 yards, zero touchdown, four uh, picks, and two pass breakups. 2019 at North Dakota State, similar. Kind of went backwards a little bit in terms of his run defense tackling, whatever. Um, Still a dominant pass rusher. Great in coverage, right? This is just such a typical um again modern day linebacker then he goes to lsu and this is the big test and and the problem is he completely fell off as a run defender which makes sense bigger program harder guys to tackle his run defense grades went from an 82 to a 70 to a 55 tackling 71 74 64 but his pass rush grade is a 76.7 still very good at that he had 10 pressures on 36 attempts so nearly one and three point oh, well, one and three point six is exactly what it is. One and three, one and four times, he's getting to the quarterback when he comes on a blitz. His coverage is an 83.5, which is right at what it was at North Dakota State. Meaning, okay, so at a higher competition level, the guy still, or he showed that he struggles to stop the run a little bit, but he's still a dominant cover guy. As far as PFF is concerned with his grades, his pass rush and his coverage didn't take a hit even a little bit. 26 receptions for 320 yards, zero touchdowns allowed, had three picks and four pass breakups, 57 passer rating when targeted. He had a 79 passer rating when targeted in 2019 at North Dakota State. So again, this is not generally my style of linebacker, but if we're saying we need this kind of guy to run a Joe Barry system, kind of that uh, Tampa 2, dropping a linebacker type stuff, also just a general sideline to sideline guy, a linebacker that you bring on blitzes and whatnot, which I think is going to be more of a thing. He just fits the fits the mold. He's a blitzing coverage linebacker that kind of struggles to stop the run. Hey, by the way, we got a guy by the name of Kamal Martin that's a decent compliment if you're really worried about stopping the run so much. He just, I mean, it just, again, without having watched him, he just fits perfectly, perfectly. And it's so hard to find these guys. I mean, just true dominant uh, coverage guys and blitzing guys at a major program this late in the draft. So I I don't know if he makes it here. I think he might be a surprise first round pick in general. Whether the Packers are the team that takes him or not, I don't know. Probably not. But um, this would be the one thing, and I'll just put it I'll I'll put it on the sound bite so that if they do it, I can say, "See, I told you." Even though I'll, you know, I'll clip out the parts where I said probably not, and just you know, really hammer that I told you. But as soon as I I looked at him and kind of looked over his grades, and I know I've looked at him before, but you just think about everything we've said and everything we need, and, and the fact that he's kind of a second round guy. I mean, based on where he is on the big board, he could fall to them in the back of the second, which would just be ideal. And that's what's going to upset Packer fans. They're looking at the big boards the same way I am. If we take him in the first round, everyone's going to say, you idiots, you could have got him in the second round. That's absolutely not true. In fact, I'd almost be surprised if he makes it to the Packers in the first round. Because again, with this skill set, 22 years old, six four, 231 pounds, the biggest thing, and, and, and keep an eye on this, because I, I think either way we're in trouble. Because if he has a really good pro day, he's probably going to go, early if he has a bad pro day then it kind of calls into question can he do these things but march 31st is the lsu pro day i'm assuming he's going to participate and i generally assume that he's going to be running a pretty fast 40 and and he's going to be an agile human being but um we'll see how it goes but yeah in general again these are all guys and i think a lot of these guys you could say could be first round picks I mean, almost any of them. I mean, Nick Bolton, possibly, but probably not. Terrace Marshall, Rondale Moore, Jason Owe, definitely with the, the you know performance he put on in his pro day as a pass rusher. Uh, Wyatt Davis, interior, dominant interior guy. Asai as a pass rusher. Leatherwood, Asante Samuel, Creed Humphrey. Pretty much everybody on this list is a potential first-round prospect, and we're all the way to the back of the second round. So the top 64 guys are kind of in the mix for late first, early second contention. In my opinion, so that's that's kind of exciting, right? There's there's usually when I'm doing this, I'm looking at it going, there's there's a handful of guys that I'm excited about in the first round. After that, it's just kind of. Eh. I like a lot of the guys in the second round, I really do. So um, I don't know, maybe I should try that for day three. See how see how many day three guys are left. I'll try to remember that for tomorrow, if there is a tomorrow. I don't know. I don't mean that in a dark way. I just mean I don't know if I'm doing a podcast tomorrow. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. There, we'll be all right. Question from Garrett Stritzel, what top three draft picks on Green Bay's board can make an immediate impact next season that could be in the running for rookie of the year? Since it appears Green Bay won't be signing any free agent from outside the organization will, uh, from outside the organization with big name appeal. So I tried to be like all these questions a little bit methodical. Um, generally rookie of the year is either going to quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or a pass rusher that could be interior or exterior. Um, we're not drafting a quarterback or a running back, so that means it's either going to be a wide receiver or a defensive tackle or an edge rusher. I'm going to rule out edge rusher and say wide receiver or defensive tackle, and the only defensive tackle I think that could possibly be, because if, if you're going to do something, it's not because you stop the run well, it's going to be because you've got 15 sacks in your rookie season. The only guy that has that kind of potential is, like I've said, Christian Barmore, possibly, possibly Levi and Wuzurike. But are they the next Ndamukong Sue, which is, you know, the last guy that won Rookie of the Year as a defensive tackle? I don't think so. So I'm going to rule that out and say, if we're asking the question, who could the Packers draft in the first round that's going to be off or or, or just Rookie of the Year? I got to go with a wide receiver. So then it gets really, really tricky. Um, And this is where overthinking really comes into play. Uh, I think the safest bet, although he's very unlikely to be there when the Packers pick, pending some kind of a trade-up, would be Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman is just sort of that, that general, just good wide receiver, right? It's not about athleticism, although he probably has it. I don't know if they've done their pro day or not. I don't believe so. He's generally assumed to be very fast and everything, but he's, he's sort of, his comp that I've heard is Allen Robinson, right? Just a just a good football player. Um, But I don't really think we get him, so I didn't include that. And that leaves a handful of other guys. Rondale Moore makes a decent amount of sense. And maybe I should have gone that route, but I didn't. Um, I think the size is somewhat of a limiting factor. And also, I think there needs to be some kind of a big playability. Remember, Rookie of the Year is something that just gets voted on. So the more um, highlight reels that that show up on ESPN and and wherever else you see those, the more it's going to push people in the direction of of voting for somebody for Rookie of the Year. I mean, general stats and whatnot, great. But again, Rondale Moore, probably a bunch of reception, not a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of big plays. In terms of you know you know deep passing big plays, so I think Rondell Moore could be a very very good role player and complement for the team. But I think based on his his smaller size and the fact that the Packers maybe aren't looking for that, coupled with not really a big highlight guy, again he's going to be more of a Randall Cobb getting you know eight catches and which could be more valuable. But again we're talking about who's going to get voted for Rookie of the Year. I went a different direction and I went with a guy that it it kind of it feels like he's not the kind of guy that would win Rookie of the Year. But looking at the stats and whatnot, it, it kind of fits. And that's Mr. Kadarius Toney. And the reason I say he doesn't necessarily fit the mold, in my opinion, of a uh, a Rookie of the Year guy is because he kind of reminds me of like a LaVisca Chenault, kind of, although he's not. But sort of one of these bigger guys that you throw the ball to, and they're just like a running back in the open open area. But LaVisca Chenault is like 220 pounds. He's actually six foot one, 227 pounds. Kadarius Toney... And I don't know if this is his official weight, but uh, via PFF, six foot one ninety three. But you want to talk about highlight reels? Here's a couple things. Number one, um, he graded out very, very well at Florida, four years in a row. He's never been bad. Number two, does not drop the football. It's going to be pretty big for a for a uh, Green Bay Packer to draft a guy that has really no issues. Um, yards after the catch, he's incredible. Now again, different than Laviska Chenault. he's not like a running back. He's just his ability to get yards after the catch is remarkable. That in and of itself is highlight reel ability. However, his yards per reception are 14 yards per reception this past year, which is a, a fairly some you know, fairly somewhat. It's a decent chunk. So he's already getting a decent amount of yards. He's getting a, a ton of yards after the catch. Primarily a slot guy, but he can you know, it's like forty two percent in the slot or whatever. You can put him wherever. He had nineteen uh, rushing attempts, so he has that in his arsenal as well. Not only does he do jet sweeps and end of rounds, but he's lined up I think most of his carries actually came just lined up in the backfield as a running back and running. 11 of his 19 carries came just lined up. He had six carries on jet sweeps and seven carries on ender Uh, Nope, five reversals and two ender rounds. So again, that's highlight really kind of stuff. But then the big thing that really separates him from Rondale Moore is aside from being a, a more you know, adequate wide receiver size is his deep receiving abilities. If you look at his grades, because PFF now breaks this down, And granted, you generally have higher grades on deep passes because kind of similar to passer rating, your stats are just better. But he had a 99.6 receiving grade on deep passes, 7 of 9 for 226 yards and 4 touchdowns. On passes between 10 and 19 yards, he was 17 of 22 for 304 yards, 17.9 yards per reception, 2 touchdowns, 98.8. Those were his highest two grades, so he does have that ability. Beyond that, the area of the field in which he dominates the most is let's see, his three highest grades as far as area of the field. His third highest grade is deep middle. His second highest grade is short middle. So, uh, you know, between zero and nine yards in the middle of the field. His highest grade is intermediate middle, between 10 and 20 yards in the middle of the field, 99.1 passer rating. He dominates the middle of the field, which is one area where Rodgers has been scared to go. So he checks a lot of boxes. I think he can play a lot of roles. I think he can get a lot of different highlights. I think he can be a decent deep threat, maybe not a pure deep threat, but you factor in the highlight reels from the end of round, the reversals, the running, um, the deep passes, and then you add in the stats from being just a slot receiver that can get a ton of targets and a ton of yards. Um, I think he has, if I had to put my money on, on, there's one guy the Packers drafted in the first round and he won rookie of the year, I'm going to lean Kadarius Toney. And it looks like that's also going to be March 31st. Who's the other person i said oh lsu where is lsu i think lsu is also march 31st so we've got kadarius tony and kyle pitts and kyle trask and a bunch of other guys that are that are you know decent players to watch at florida you got my man jamon davis on march 31st at kentucky you got jamar chase jabril cox Terrace marshall tyler shelvin at lsu march 31st you got uh, jeremiah osu koromoa liam Eichenberg, tommy tremble um tommy kramer Dalen Hayes, Ian Book uh, from Notre Dame, March 31st. So that'll be a, that'll be a fun day. Today, by the way, because we're just about out of time, we might as well look at it. Today is the 26th. we got Boston College, Brigham Young, Michigan, South Dakota State, and Virginia Tech. Not as exciting, um, but there you go. I didn't get to everything. I got three more sitting here. And I just now realized I was not using my microphone. I was using my webcam, which, so that stinks i told you dude it's the technology's killing why would that happen why would the setting just ra- listen i'm taking the blame for some of this stuff i'm taking the blame for some of this stuff but i know i plugged in my phone which means it must have fell off my my stand and got unplugged that's not my fault i can't be expected at three o'clock in the mor- or two o'clock in the morning or whenever my phone fell to pick it up and know that it's plugged in and i can't sit here and know that it just decided to change its settings on its own this is not all me being crazy this is not all me being crazy. I just went back to listen to that last part because something got messed up, and it's like, what is this audio? It's, it's hooked up to something. It's got to be my, my webcam. I'm, t- I'm telling you, dude, it's, there's something weird going on. Like, there's, there, there's a message from God telling me something. Maybe I'm supposed to stop. I don't know. I'm not going to quit. What am I supposed to do? What am I doing wrong? What am I, what, What's the message I'm not getting right now? There's a message Trying to hear it, but the the furnace is going. I I can't. What what am what am I doing wrong? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's kind of creepy. <laughs> I said I'm trying to listen to the message from God, but the furnace is going and it just cut off. Now I'm really scared that I'm going to hear something. Better get out of here before I start hearing voices because I'm free. Maybe I'm still sleeping. Is that possible? Am I passed out? Maybe I died. Did I die? How would I know? Maybe death is just this weird like state that you're in where like weird stuff just happens and kind of messes with you and it's like why is everything crazy? Like before you go to heaven, God just messes with you or whatever. I don't I don't know. I don't know how this works. I'm just saying. I mean, I I know that's that's not biblical, but I'm just saying maybe that part was left out. I don't know. I would do that. I would definitely do that. Like I hey, I didn't say I wouldn't do it. Dude, I'm super freaked out. I'm glad I don't drive a Tesla. Because that thing would just like drive itself right into a tree. Guaranteed. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Anyways, again, apologies for that. Hopefully I can get this uploaded and you can hear any of this because who knows how that's gonna go. But uh, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I will talk to you when I talk to you, probably tomorrow. The YouTube has been such a disaster. I don't even know if I care to do a, a video. I might just do a podcast. I don't know. We'll see how I feel tomorrow. Have a great day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.